Well, good morning. Welcome back to uh, the great online experience of First Baptist Church Wimberley, Texas. I'm Scott Weatherford, and I'm so excited today because we begin a new series, Living All for Jesus. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into what it really means to live a life that's in line with Christ. You know, a lot of times in church, we celebrate people's life change by what they show up to. They come to a gathering or they're in a group or they serve in a ministry. We're all woohoo, we're just like Jesus. But, you know, God wants to take us so much deeper than that. It's not what you show up to that matters, it's what shows up in you. So we want to go on that that great adventure. I was told that I need to demonstrate my magnanimous personality more on video. And I need to tell more jokes. So I thought of a joke I should tell, but the only joke I could think of are cannibal jokes, and they just keep eating away at me. So I don't think I'll tell any of those, except for the cannibal that showed up late for the dinner party. They gave him the cold shoulder. Okay, enough of that. So we've had an opportunity. I have had an opportunity to travel literally all over the world. And it's just been an amazing adventure for Tara and I, my wife Tara and I, to go to different places and see what God's doing in different regions of the world. And here lately, it seems like Latin America has been this place that God keeps throwing me into, whether it's Cuba or Mexico or Costa Rica or Colombia or, or wherever. In fact, we're going to Brazil in November. It's just that this amazing opportunity. I I love languages, even though I'm not very good or fluent in languages. I probably know enough different languages to get myself in serious trouble. But I remember my first time in Mexico listening to a group of children sing, Si Cristo me ama, si Cristo me ama, si Cristo me ama, la Biblia dice así, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And just the authority of Scripture and the enunciation of this very familiar song in my culture being sung in their culture, it just hung in the air like some sweet nectar of reassurance that Jesus really does love me. And if we're going to live all for Jesus, we have to live in the reality that we're loved by God, that we Jesus really does love us. Now, one of the things Satan loves to do, and Satan's the, he's a punk, he loves to... He, he loves to put this thought in your head. Yeah, Jesus loves you. Man, not really you. He loves everybody else, but you, you're a dumpster fire. You know, he don't love you like he loves everybody else. And that's the, as Satan imputes God's goodness and his love and his mercy, it starts eroding ourselves. And we suffer, well, I, I suffer from what I call imposter syndrome, like, I'm supposed to be this, but I'm really not this because I live with this nagging insecurity in my life. But today I want to help you with that. Today I want to show you biblical truth that will change the way you live. In fact, over the next eight weeks as we talk about living all for Jesus, I hopefully will dispel a lot of these myths that have barked at my soul like the neighbor's dog in the middle of the night just to create this kind of this relationship with God that changes me. Now, I want to say this because this is really interesting, that throughout Christianity for over 2,000 years, Christians have had what's called a, and now don't freak out on this word, a catechism, a catechism. Well, I'm not a Catholic. I ain't got no catechism. Well, what does that mean? That means a process or a disciple-making pathway, a way of understanding, a catechism. So what I'm going to show you 
is an ancient catechism. Whether it's the Westminster Catechism or the Catholic Catechism, it doesn't matter about the label. But those five qualities that God wants to see in every believer's life, connecting, growing, serving, sharing, and honoring God with our lives, living to make Jesus famous, being a generous person. And it starts with this truth that Jesus loves me. Now, over this next eight weeks, you online are going to have a chance to step up. You're going to have a chance to step into membership. Next week, I'm going to talk about what it means to be a part of the family of God and how you step in to membership, to step up to grow, to step up to serve, to step up to share. All of those resources are going to be available for you. We also have a downloadable field guide, our journey guide, or whatever kind of cool name that our cool people came up with. That is this spiritual journey notebook that you can download and literally write out your prayers and follow along with us with scripture memory and thoughts from me and a guide to you about opening your heart to live all for Jesus. And that's provided for you on our website as well. Also, we have tons of other content that we want to have available. And we're starting online groups. If you want to be a part of an online group, raise your hand. And our online campus pastor, Scott Tidwell, Pastor Scott Tidwell, will help you get connected in a group because we really want you to enjoy the fullness of this whole series of living all for Jesus. Now, all of that aside, let's get to this because I think what I want to show you is a conversation Jesus had with a guy just like you and me. Well, actually, this guy's probably smarter than all of us because he was a Pharisee, a, a, a religious guy, a learned guy probably graduated from the seminary in Jerusalem. But Jesus has a conversation with him that really underlines this fact that Jesus really loves you, really loves you. And I promise no more cannibal jokes, you know, because, because cannibals don't eat clowns because they taste funny. Okay, all right, let me pray for us and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray that you'll speak through me That'll be my, uh, not my words or thoughts, but your words and thoughts that help people that listen today understand the fact that you really do love them. And in that love, it releases them to a life that's full and awesome and great. And I thank you for what you're going to do in and for and through us today. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Well, let's jump in. Here's the first thing. This is, this conversation is found in John 3. Now, some of you went, wait. That's where John 3.16 is. That's right. And we're going to build up to that great passage. But before we get there, you've got to see the conversation Jesus has with a guy named Nicodemus. Nick comes at night. Uh, maybe that's where they got Nick at night. Oh, anyway, Nick comes at night, and he has this conversation with Jesus, and it just changes who Nicodemus is because we see this life change played out Throughout the book of John, where you see Nicodemus at the crucifixion, Nicodemus at the resurrection, Nicodemus, God has changed his life because Jesus loves him. So here's, here's the first thought, that Jesus loves encounters. He loves them. He is a seeking God. He wants to invade your life. He wants to walk across your path. I know as a pastor, when I travel, I love to sit down beside someone and they say, so what do you do for a living? I say, well, I'm a pastor. And you watch them freak out. But what I follow is, so you're, we're going to spend the next couple hours, anything you ever wanted to ask a pastor? 
And they uh, then they found out I'm a Baptist pastor, and they quit ordering drinks. But anyway, that's a whole other aside. But that's that whole kind of here. Jesus is loving an encounter, loving an encounter. Let me read for us. This is in John chapter three. I'll start in verse one. I'm going to read one through nine. So bear with me. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. Rabbi, he said. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, what do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. Uh, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That's just creepy. Well, I added that part. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God until being born again of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can't hear the wind, but you can tell where it comes from and where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born in this, of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Now, Nicodemus, who has all of this kind of religious training and this thought process, he had God in his box Jesus just ripped the lid off the box, tore the sides down, and exposed all of it and said, Hey, Nick, here's some things you've never considered. Never considered. Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus was really compelled by his religion. You see, Nicodemus had a knowledge of the holy, but he didn't have a relationship with the Holy One. Man, I think that describes a lot of people today that there's a knowledge of God or perhaps a knowledge of religion or knowledge of church, but they don't have a relationship with the Holy One. It's this, like, I've been exposed to, but not I'm not a part of. And it's that tension that Nicodemus was fighting because Nicodemus, in all his learning, was realizing it just wasn't cutting it. It just wasn't cutting it. Jesus was front and center in his life, and he's listening to him, and it sounds a lot like the pharisaical teachings he's had, but it's so different from what he's learning. He's going, you know what? In looking at Jesus and listening to what I've come from, this is just not, I mean, what I'm coming from just doesn't add up. It's just not enough. And there was something gnawing at his heart. And I love this truth about God. God, God says this in his word. You can't even come to a relationship with Jesus until the Holy Spirit draws you. It's that gnawing in our hearts that really brings us to a place of recognition and the place of, of wanting that divine encounter. There's a story that comes out of World War I that a British pilot was flying across North Africa in his biplane. Now, back in the days of the biplane, they didn't have you know, hydraulics and all that. They had ropes, and they controlled the rudders of the airplane with ropes. And this pilot, it said, was flying across the deserts of North Africa, and he heard a gnawing in the back of his plane. He knew it was a rat gnawing on the ropes of his rudder. He had a choice. He could land the plane and deal with the rat, or he could hope that the rat didn't gnaw through the rope until he landed. Well, y'all, we need to deal with the rat gnaw. The rat gnawing in our souls is saying, there's got to be more. What I'm coming to realize in our world today there's so much gnawing at us. If I watch the media or look at social feeds, I mean, that gnawing, that agitation, that anger, that stirring, it just keeps getting more intense. 
And I go around angry and agitated when God's gnawing at my soul saying, you know what, you need peace, you need joy, you need hope. And it's that encounter with God that he sets up with that kind of what I call a holy discontent or a gnawing, the rat gnawing in your soul. You see, Jesus always trumps religion with relationship. Jesus didn't want to give Nicodemus a philosophy to live by. He wanted to give him a person to live with. A philosophy to live by or a person to live with. You know, every religion of the world wants to give you a philosophy. Jesus wants to give you himself. Because he loves you. And he loves that encounter. Now, most of the time, the knowing of our souls or the, the encounter we have with Jesus is fueled by a hurt or a habit or a hang-up or a situation or a discontent. See, God uses all those things to draw us to himself. He'll use the, the heartbreak of, of loss, of grief, of disappointment. He'll use that to draw you to himself. Now, it doesn't mean he causes those things, but he uses those things. God will use uh, your intellectual inquiry, the, the drawing. Uh, I did a wedding recently for a couple, and it was full of Duke graduates, these really bright young people. And I'm, I'm an old person, and, and I've never been accused of being an intellectual giant. But these, these Duke graduates were drawn to conversations with me because I challenged them about what they believed and what they'd been taught. I said, there's a different way to look at the world. And it's not a philosophy, but it's a person. It's not some kind of empty academia. It's the living, active God of love and life who wants to work in your life and your heart and to give you his peace. That is compelling. You see, most people come to Jesus out of their need. They're out of their need. They're hungry and Jesus feeds them. They're lonely and Jesus comforts them. They were in prison and Jesus visits them. They were uh, naked and Jesus clothes them. Clothes them. It's, it's the amazing process of God coming to him out of need. Nicodemus came to Jesus out of his need that his philosophy of religion wasn't making it. And he came to Christ. You see, we're really born dead. And we need to be born again to be born alive. You go, wait, what? What? Yeah, see, we're born in sin, and sin kills us. The wages of sin, the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because we're born dead, we need to be born to live, born to really live again, born again because you're loved. Now, I'm going to say this, and don't be creepy on me, but every conception of human life is born out of love. Now, it might be illicit love, it might be you know legitimate love, but it's born out of love. And God bore, he births us into his kingdom out of love. His spirit comes to live inside of us. And this is the process. He makes us aware of our need, and then we respond in faith to God through his invitation, and then he goes, in his offer of grace, we're born again. Now, I love this, that Jesus met this Nicodemus at his theological philosophy. You see, Nicodemus was a, was a Pharisee, and Pharisees really believed in the mystical side of God. They believed in the spirit, and they believed in angels and demons. The Sadducees, they didn't believe that. The Pharisees believed in eternal life. The Sadducees, they didn't believe that, and that's why they were Sadducee. 
that's my magnanimous personality coming out. And they, 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 he, he met him where his philosophy met. And he said, the spirit blows, the wind blows. You have to be born again. A man cannot enter into his mother again, but he must be born of the spirit. And, and so Nicodemus is going, wow, listen to me. Jesus will always find your common ground because he loves an encounter. He loves an encounter. Now, here's the next thing I want you to look at as we kind of go down through this passage. Jesus really does love you. He doesn't love, get this, some future version of you when you get your act together. He loves you right now, like you are. Now, he loves you so much, he's not going to leave you like you are, right? But he's going to love you now to lead you to become like him. Listen to what John goes on in this gospel. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish leader, yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, I tell you what we know and what we've seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. If you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. What? You see, Jesus then reaches back to Moses, who the Pharisees believed they were sons of. And he meets him again at that. He even drags Moses into the theological discussion. And he's saying, Nicodemus, you have all this academia, but you don't understand the Spirit. Let me illuminate you. And then he says this. This is that famous passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus came seeking eternal life. What Jesus gave him, we get this, was life now and in the next. Life now and the next. Why? Because he really loves you. Jesus' love is not based on who you are or what you know. It's based on he just loves you. Wow. Wow. I love the way Jesus finds that common ground. And I love the way that Jesus is finding common ground with you and with me. The brilliance of a leader is the ability to give accurate word pictures that draw people into this relationship that's deep and meaningful. You notice this. When Jesus was with fishermen, he talked about fish. When Jesus was farmers, he talked about farming. When Jesus was with theologians, he talked theology. He's the master of of creating those inroads. He really does love you. Now let's take a deeper look at, at 316 because I think it bears us to dive in a little bit. For God. You see, everything in the world is started by God. Even your salvation is started by God. It's not started by you. It's started by God. Every, he created the heavens and earth. It, in the beginning was God, and God spoke. He ruah, he moved. The word ruah is the Hebrew word for movement. He's moving, and it started by God. So it's not about God, but listen, but it's for you. He's moving on your behalf because you're so loved. You're so loved. In Romans 5.8, it says this, and God demonstrated his love for us. Demonstrated his love for us demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died. Because my greatest need was forgiveness, God demonstrated his love. He demonstrated love 
It's a compelling love. So love, for God so loved the world. Now, when we say the world, you could take that and go, you know, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. You know, God loves the world, but he doesn't necessarily love me. I'm a loser. I'm a dumpster fire. You know, no, he loves you, and the world is you. And right now, you don't need to look at the whole world. You need to get your world. He loves the world that he gave. Uh, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a great giver, a great giver, to be generous because God gave to me. I've had so many encounters with people, um, unwillingly encounters with people based on generosity. I made a stupid commitment that any time I saw somebody that had a sign, said they were hungry, they, i just give them money. It's just a stupid commitment. I don't know why I did that. Maybe it's by the Holy Spirit. Maybe I need to be like Jesus. Maybe I need to get over my attitude, think it's stupid. Whatever. Judge me if you want to. But so many times when I give to these people, they say, this is what they say, bless you. Bless you. I say, yeah, I've been blessed. Because God gave, I can give. God gave, I can give. I've even given money to people where they said, can I pray for you? Wow. You know, it's not the philosophy of my life that I live by, but the person of my life, King Jesus, I live with. And because he loves me, I can live in his philosophy. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That by believing in him, you can have that life. It's not about fixing up yourself or coming to some great theological knowing or understanding. It, 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 it gets this phrase in your heart that you believe in God. Now I want you to remember this because I'm going to talk about it next week. That you believe in Jesus you belong to his family, and you become like him. You believe, you belong, you become. And I'll talk more about that next week in our Living All for Jesus. You see, Jesus' love that changes everything. Because I'm greatly loved, because he so loved me that he gave himself for me, it changes everything about me. Listen to 17, because usually we just stop at verse 16. Let me read 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Wait a second. We're Christians. We're supposed to judge everybody. No. No. We're supposed to love. Love. Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to save. Maybe if we lost the judgment, maybe we would be more dynamically effective in this broken, heartbroken Mad, angry, divided world. Hmm. I can escape being judged because Jesus loves me. You know what my greatest fears is being exposed. For people to really look in my heart and see who I really am. But because Jesus loves me, you look in my heart and you see his love. I could join him then, God, in his redemptive purposes of the world. Because I, I, I'm loved. I'm loved. I had a conversation this morning 
with one of our wonderful godly leaders. We talked about the church losing its effectiveness. And I think we've lost our effectiveness by surrendering to the anger and the division of our culture. Maybe if we just started loving. Not in some kind of sappy, devotional type of blah, 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 blah. But really loving people and meeting them where they are. And then because I'm loved, I'm free to really live. I really live in security and hope because Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Si Cristo te ama, la Biblia dice así. The Bible tells me so. Because I'm loved, then it changes everything. So here's my challenge for you. Have you accepted the love of Jesus in your life? Have you said yes to him? Have you given your life to him? <clears throat> have you believed in him? So everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Are you determined to join in this series of loving and living all for Jesus? <laughs> <coughs> 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 Have you determined to join in this series of living off for Jesus and really inviting this ancient catechism to talk, start shaping the way you live? Are you letting him love you and loving him response? Are you going to take advantage of the resources? Are you going to join a group? Are you going to hang out with us online? If Maybe if you're local, you're going to show up. What are you going to do about your kids? Are you going to continue to let them be eroded? Are you going to take responsibility for their spiritual development. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about your generosity, about your love? What are you going to do? Because Jesus loves you, he's leading you to live all for him. Some of you need to be prayed for. Step into a prayer room. Some of you need to step into membership and be baptized. Raise your hand and let us help you with that. Some of you have other spiritual decisions. You need to be in a small group. Maybe you need to lead a group in your home. Maybe on a Sunday morning, you gather a few people in your home, have breakfast, watch this video, and have a discussion and start living in community. Whether you live in Iowa or Canada or North Carolina or West Texas, you step into this. I can't make you do anything, but Jesus loves you, and he wants to give you everything. And I hope this has helped. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to join through technology these people in their homes or wherever they're listening and invite them into a loving relationship with you. And I pray many of them will whisper this prayer, Jesus, I'm yours, giving their life to you, accepting you as their Savior and Lord, forgiving their sins, Jesus, I'm yours. I pray that that's their prayer today. That through, through listening to this, they're going to say, you know, I'm going to take those next steps. I'm going to step into membership. I'm going to grow. I'm going to serve. I'm going to share. I'm going to be what God wants me to, to be. I'm going to take this spiritual journey notebook. I'm going to do everything I can because Jesus loves me. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Get it for and through us. We pray this in your name. Amen. We provided a QR code for you that uh, you can download materials for the 
the, the guide, the field guide. Also a QR code that will lead you to the videos that I've created for connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. That will help you with that catechism, that process of disciple making that, that you can plug into. Also, uh, if, you, if you need to talk to someone, a pastor, we'll set up a Zoom conversation with you. We'll do whatever you want. You want to start a group in your home. You want to be in a group. We'd love to help you with that. Please take those next steps. Why? Because Jesus loves you. And we're going to live all for Jesus. I hope this helps. I'll see you next week as we talk about connecting. Connecting with God and connecting with each other.